Welcome to the We Are SC podcast. This is Eric McKinney, joined by Greg Katz. And Greg, we are uh, inching closer, I guess, to, to the season. That This weekend was big uh, for the Pac-12. It announced the 2020 football schedule for the conference. And again, just to kind of recap a little bit, uh, it is a six-game regular season with each team playing the other five teams in its division plus one crossover game uh, and and then the conference championship game uh, held on December 18th and the season kicking off on November 7th uh, all teams playing on on November 7th to start that season Greg just going to kind of open it up the the schedule is is finalized it was released on Saturday give give me your thoughts on uh, I guess kind of how the Pac-12 went about doing that the, the decisions that, that went into the schedule looking like it does and, and the way they chose uh, to release it. Well, I'm going to go backwards. Uh, it's how they chose to release it. Uh, in my opinion, uh, if they knew that they were going to pass the vote on Friday, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't have been prepared to release the schedule on that day or the next day. And why wait uh you know, to the following week. Uh, if they're trying to build up interest and excitement, uh, I think there's been enough uh, excitement already uh, for the folks about whether they're going to play or they're not going to play. But it's out, and we're happy it's out. You know, all systems are go, at least as go as they can be at this point. I was shocked uh, in the sense that when I saw the schedule, my biggest concern was always uh, the sequence of games. Because originally, they, you know, we were told that UCLA was going to be the opener, okay? I, I didn't really like that idea. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I, I preferred rivalry games to be at the end, but I understood with the pandemic that they wanted to at least uh, keep the travel a uh, very short distance. So they surprised me uh, by putting UCLA on December 12th, the last regular season game. And that weekend, the traditional uh, rivalry weekend for the conference, which I think is really good, really good. That's the good news. Uh, I was really kind of blown away that you would open a game against Arizona State in the South Division because I felt that uh, that was the game of the year in the South. I mean, Arizona State has uh, Jaden Daniels returning a quarterback who could really give SC a problem. And I felt that, you know, why start it there? But I would actually really blew me away, of course, uh, was that it was the 9 o'clock game that Larry Scott has been dreaming about for the last year. And he finally got an opening when there's going to be no fans. And uh, thank goodness there is going to be no fans because uh, the idea of, of people coming from uh, Southern California to be at a game at 9 in the morning, which means most people would probably be there by 7.30, which means they'd have to leave their house by 6 or 6.30 and yada, yada, yada. I thought, and I still think it's a really, really stupid idea. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to have a big impact uh, that people on the East Coast are going to say, oh, forget the Ohio State game. Let's watch USC and Arizona State. But they'll give it a try. We'll see what happens. I think the bigger long-term issue with the 9 a.m. start will be next year uh, because – the Trojans figure to get a 9 a.m. game somewhere. And I just think playing football at 9 a.m. is absolutely BS. That being said, uh, you know, when you run down the schedule uh, after Arizona State, if the Trojans can, uh, can win that game, uh, I, I see it as clear sailing. Uh, I don't, the team should go undefeated. Uh, the only game I think they could even have a shot at getting upset maybe at Utah but Utah is going to have a whole new backfield. And it's only going to be their third game. Uh, there's going to be nobody in the stands at Utah. I've been to Rice-Eccles Stadium many times. The fans are brutal in a good way. Uh, they're not obnoxious like the ones in Oregon. Uh, but they get into it, and they can make a difference. But they're not going to make any difference because they're not going to be in the stands. So I think SC really got a break there. And, of course, the other thing that uh, I was looking at was the division uh, out of division game, and I thought they'd be playing Cal, and I was wrong there. 
because uh, Cal is always, uh, you know, the Bay Area school, and they were due to play Cal anyway. And out of nowhere comes probably the absolute Clay Helton Christmas gift by hosting Washington State on a Friday night in L.A. And there's no way Washington State should hang with USC, not under the first year of Nick Rolovich. Uh, not going to happen. And, of course, then the last game is at UCLA. And UCLA could probably uh, be a better team than we've seen. But seriously, the Trojans should roll right into the uh, Pac-12 championship game if they if they can beat Arizona State. And I like I said, I don't think that's a gimme. But, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't – if you want to build conference excitement, uh, you know, I wouldn't have put Arizona State to, to lead it off. But uh, I think all that Larry Scott is looking at is East Coast uh, television ratings and Midwest and – uh, obviously, if you're a football player, what time you have to get up in the morning to get ready for a game at nine, you know, uh, you know, three thirty in the morning, having a Denny's Grand Slam at five or four thirty in the morning, it's. Uh, I don't think that you can expect the greatest game, first game of the year, uh, nine in the morning. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be a recipe to that I'd want to showcase the country with, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull us pull us way back. I, I am kind of gonna focus a little bit on on sort of how it was released and and the Pac-12 clearly wanted to make a big statement with you know hey we're releasing this the way again the way this thing has gone all the way through following what the Big Ten did the Big Ten picked a, a Saturday and dumped their schedule release while college football was going on right we we are not part of the conversation with college football right now because we're not playing so we are going to try to take over a college football saturday or at least become a, a big talking point during a college football saturday talking about our schedule release the pac-12 sort of tried to follow that where you had uh, i i believe again trying to follow kind of the sequence of events fox made the announcement about that opening game, Arizona State against USC, going to be on Fox as part of that big noon uh, kickoff, something that the Pac-12 really can't be a part of because they're not playing early enough. The, the Arizona schools, Utah, Colorado, I, I think could maybe sneak in there if they had a 10 a.m. game. Um, but other than that, you're, you're not getting a, a Los Angeles-hosted game uh, in that window. So... That was kind of the, the first announcement. I believe ESPN was was able to then announce a handful of the games uh, that they're going to have. They had Mario Cristobal on, and then it was kind of a, a schedule dump from the conference, and and it got sent out. The, the whole schedule got sent out to media. Here it is, and then that was sort of it. You know, we'll let do do whatever you want with that schedule. I, as I've kind of asked about every decision and every announcement through the whole thing I'm always curious in these meetings in these Pac-12 meetings when they come up with these decisions I always want to know if somebody is asking okay what now and then what do you do after this so obviously with this release the big splash is we're playing USC Arizona State 9 a.m first game out of the gate that that's what we're leading off with that's the big statement that they wanted to make. That's how they're going to make a splash kind of in the national scene um, by coming into the game late. And from the other side, Oregon, obviously the, the sort of name program uh, in the conference right now, they're getting Stanford. And, and you hope if you're the conference that Stanford can kind of take that step forward and, and maybe they're the number two team. Uh, in, the, in the north, if they can get stuff figured out. I don't know if that's going to happen. But you've got kind of two two fairly big games. And if you're looking at the north, too, I mean, Cal starts off with Washington. You know, th those are two of the better teams in the north, too. So they didn't, the conference didn't really hide a whole lot uh, in that opening weekend. And so now it becomes, especially when we're talking about USC, Arizona State, do you as a conference take that step forward? How much do we see about like you mentioned Jaden Daniels and Keaton Slovis that matchup if you're the if you're the Pac-12 you need to convince everybody that these are two of the best quarterbacks in the country and it shouldn't take much to 
to convince them that, I mean, they, they are, these are two of the best quarterbacks in the country. And you're starting with that. You need to be able to position these two programs where whoever wins that game, both these teams right now are outside of the top 25. Whoever wins that game needs to take a massive jump into those rankings. If again, you're the PAC 12 and you want to be sitting with two highly ranked teams in your conference championship game to hopefully get one of those guys into the playoff. And as I'm saying this, it's one of those things that just, just talking about that sounds like such a, such a pipe dream and and so ridiculous that you feel like you should be talking about the PAC 12 as on the outside looking in, because it just doesn't feel like they can get there where, you know, a, a Clemson or an Oklahoma or an Ohio state, Alabama, certainly a, a few SEC teams come into the, season expecting yeah of course if we win our games we're, we're going to the playoff and the Pac-12 just it it always feels like watching it they don't do a good enough job at convincing everybody yeah of course our teams if they win out belong belong there so we we can transition a little bit I, I know you kind of hit on that that USC Arizona State game but for me that's kind of what stands out about that is is that gives the conference a chance to launch one of those teams way up into the standings. They just have to do a good job of convincing everybody that the winner of that game does belong there because clearly that's the statement they're trying to make. This, whoever wins this game has full control of the South and we need them up in the top 15, top 12 to sort of launch that season and so it feels like you're putting a lot of eggs in that basket where that team can keep going. So, so ultimately, I don't have a huge problem, I guess, with doing that. You just need to, you, you need to follow it through. You need to keep pushing it. You can't just set that game up there and then say, ah, you know, I guess, I guess we'll see what happens, you know, coming out of that. There, there has to be kind of a narrative and, and some direction given to that. Now, the 9 a.m. start, I, I, I'm with you. I just... Boy, that's tough to, to, to put, again, like we mentioned, so many eggs in that basket where we know that this game is going to dictate a whole lot about the season. And by the way, we're going to give it the, the biggest unknown that we can give it, how teams will perform in their first game of the year and in the first 9 a.m. game that the conference is trying. There's so many unknowns there that it feels like, are you, are you going to get what each of these teams can produce for the rest of the season. Are you actually going to see sort of a a true representation of that? And you hope that if you're USC, because what you have back on offense is what it is, and and it's kind of what you finished last year with, again, the, the big question at left tackle still needing to be answered. But if that passing game really is clicking, then maybe you're okay playing arguably your your toughest opponent on the schedule coming right out of the gate well you know i i can see and remember when pac-12 teams have gone to the east coast and end up playing a nine o'clock in the morning game i think cal did it one year and uh, it wasn't fairly recently they had yeah yeah it, it wasn't pretty uh, but then you're going to have two experienced quarterbacks, Slovis and uh, Daniels. I think both teams will obviously be up for it. Uh, you know, if you ask me, would you rather open up with Arizona State or Alabama? I said, oh, you can bring the Sun Devils down, please. That, I mean, that's uh, an interesting point, right? It was going to be Alabama. U- USC wasn't going to be able to just sort of dip their toe into the season. This was going to be a full dive into the year, no matter what. I mean, it's, they, they had Alabama coming up. Well, you know, I, I don't want to take too much of our time talking about what didn't take place. But uh, if those of you who have read what I wrote, uh, that I said, playing Alabama is the worst thing they could have done. Uh, it was a godsend. The game got canceled. I think in hindsight, based on what Alabama did on uh, this weekend and the opening weekend, SC would have had a very, very embarrassing time. Uh, and Clay Helton's job uh, – should we say a perspective uh, would have been in some serious problems. Uh, That would have been a second uh, smashing uh, following the uh, holiday bowl with Iowa. Uh, So that was a blessing. 
So uh, thank goodness they didn't play. The biggest problem is, is I, I don't see any way that the Pac-12 gets into the college football playoffs. I think Georgia is tremendous. I think Alabama speaks for itself. Clemson will speak for itself. Ohio State will speak for itself. That being said, you look at who SC is playing. Only two of the teams they're playing had, uh, you know, within the South division, uh, had, uh, you know, record of 500 or better. I mean, you're going to put that record up against Alabama, who could play Georgia and play LSU, uh, you know, Alabama, LSU. I mean, I'm not saying that the, the SEC, the bottom level feeders are all that tremendous, but I do believe the ones that are in the, you know, top four, five, you know, they, they, that speaks for themselves. That's scheduling because it's part of your conference. I mean, really, I mean, who who you can sit there and say, hey, we beat Colorado. Really? We beat uh, UCLA. Oh, really? Uh, there's no glamorous. I mean, there's no Notre Dame. I think the Notre Dame cancellation probably really hurt them in, in terms of the, uh, terms of the um, college football playoffs. So, uh, you know, I mean, the best case scenario, Oregon and uh, USC play each other. They're both undefeated. And maybe they stand just a sniff. But these teams are only playing seven games compared to the other teams, you know. I don't, I don't, I just don't see it happening. And I, I will say this, uh, I, I'm not a big Larry Scott fan, but at least for public consumption, he put it out there that he wanted the, the college football playoffs to expand. Uh, I've been, I've been writing about this and talking about this to eight teams. It's ridiculous that you choose four teams. How do you have a national tournament when the whole nation is, doesn't start off being involved in it? It's so natural to have all the power five, uh, conference uh, champions automatically put in there, pick two at large and one, uh, you know, one independent and have the first round at the highest seeded teams place. You know, there's no problem with fans, no fans. Or, you know, I mean, I, I suspect that you could have fans and that would show up for a quarterfinal round in the SEC. Maybe you wouldn't have it, you know, on the Pac-12, which would be, you know, an uneven playing field. But, you know, uh, I give Scott credit. He knows that the, you know, despite what he said for public consumption, uh, not not a real good time for the Pac-12, even an undefeated team, to try to get into the, the final four there. Yeah, what I, what's your take on we'll, – we'll take a look at a few, you know, kind of break the schedule down a little bit. Now, USC's schedule is interesting. When, when they went to the 10-game conference-only schedule – you know, we took a look through that, and, and it was fairly favorable. I, I don't think it was, uh, you know, extremely daunting the way it sort of broke out. I, I remember it being, you know, the, the first half of the season, certainly a different look than the, the second half. Now, this one is, is front-loaded for sure. USC gets, you know, the, certainly looking at the South, it's Arizona State and Utah are, are the two teams that have kind of, seem like that they're, they're going to be the ones to challenge USC and then USC leaves Los Angeles just twice this this season and all of that happens within the first three games you're, you're home against Arizona State you're at Arizona you're at Utah and that happens kind of right up there right in the front of the season good thing bad thing what where do you what kind of your your take on uh on that happening because the last three games Colorado, Washington State, UCLA, all in Los Angeles, the, the UCLA game at, at the Rose Bowl. So, again, a much different start than, than the finish. I, I think it's uh, a, a tremendously advantageous schedule for USC if they survive Arizona State and they don't get upset at Utah. We'll know after the third game where, where they're headed. Sure. Uh, and it's possible after the third game we'll know where Clay Helton is headed. Uh, although I suspect that, uh, you know, that uh, I don't think they're – I would be – I mean, if SC loses to Arizona State, SC is in trouble, except for one factor, and that is SC's out-of-division game is against Washington State. Arizona State's is against Cal, and I think Cal is going to be pretty good. And Cal could beat uh, ASU in Tempe. That's a possibility. But then again, if you had a tie in the South, I would assume if uh, they go by uh, head-to-head competition and if Arizona State beat SC, uh, you know, 
that would not be a good thing for the Trojans. So uh, there'll be a lot on the line in that first game, Eric. I, I, I can't overextend that. Uh, I think Arizona's program is a mess. Uh, Colorado with Durrell, uh, you know, uh, in the back end there uh, is, uh, you know, Colorado with a new coach. Uh, obviously, Washington State with a new coach. And uh, UCLA, you know, UCLA could get it together. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they get a little momentum going. I don't think uh, where games are played this year are going to make a, a heck of a bit of a difference. There's going to be nobody in the stands, which really makes it much different. It'd be like watching uh, uh, an adult Pop Warner game. You know, you probably get more people in the Pop Warner game than you'll have to, to watch any of these Pac-12 games. Uh, but they'll all be playing on a, on a level playing field. The only thing that won't be level is you, if you have an away game, you're sleeping in a hotel and you're flying somewhere. And that's about it. Yeah, I think weather could be it too. But again, you're, you're talking about the trip to Utah, may, you know, maybe being early enough where you're, you're not, you know, it's, it's not the December 12th game. Um, but, you know, late November, probably still potentially dealing with some weather. But you mentioned, you know, not, not having to deal with the muss there out, out at Utah, the, the student section there. And that's uh, absolutely that's certainly going to help a little bit, especially, again, in a USC offense where, you know, Keaton Slovis in his second year is probably going to be more comfortable, you know, making changes and, and doing things like that, you know, at, at the line of scrimmage. And it becomes uh, – probably very easy um, for the quarterback. I, I don't believe at this point there's been conversation about, uh, you know, piped in crowd noise or, or anything like that, that, uh, that, that anybody can do at this point. So again, the, the road games, like you say, for some of these venues, you know, anybody going to Husky stadium or Otzen or, or things like that, it is going to be a much different trip uh, than, than what you're used to. But I yeah, want to, I... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I just, just want to hit on a key point because I just wanted to uh, support what you were saying in terms of the weather. Uh, you know, having been to these places in certain times of the year, I can't think of a better time to go to uh, Tucson, Arizona than in uh, this, the second week of, in November. Sure. I mean, how, I mean what, the worst thing you could have is a night game and the weather would be a little bit cold, okay? <laughs> uh, but not cold, cold. Now, Third week in November at, uh, you know, in Salt Lake City, uh, it could be chilly, really chilly. But that's, the, you know, that for, for just the first three games, you're not going to be in, in Boulder, Colorado uh, at the end of November, uh, which is a big deal. It could be freezing. Pullman, they don't have to go to Pullman to play Washington State, which is a really big deal. And uh, you know what? Uh, like I said, this this schedule, in my opinion, is tailor made after the first game to blow through everybody. Yeah, and and again, you mentioned kind of the crossover game. USC uh, gets Washington State, and that is one of those interesting things where the the Pac-12 could. I mean, they they could have made the decision USC Oregon play in the regular season and. You know, the hope there, again, being, okay, one of those teams wins that game. If there's a rematch uh, in the conference championship, they win again, and, and you get maybe an extra quality win um, for one of those programs. They, they didn't go that way. I, I think kind of the most evenly matched or, or kind of tough versus tough uh, crossover game is, like you mentioned, that the game that Arizona State gets at Cal, if Cal – you know, still has that defense and, and maybe takes a step forward. Uh, they're one of the potentially better teams in the North Arizona state. Obviously everybody thinks, you know, another step forward, a, a full season from, from Jaden Daniels and uh, some guys back on defense and, and maybe Arizona state is, is that team in the South. So that's kind of the, you know, the, the crossover um, matchup. If you're looking at the other teams, you know, Oregon gets UCLA uh, now, I thought UCLA, UCLA is the one that really got, I mean, should you, we say, you taken to the cleaners. You mentioned at the end of the year, maybe UCLA can get some momentum going. I'm looking at their schedule trying to figure it out, <laughs> figure out where they get their momentum. <laughs> they, they've, got, uh, they've got Utah on a Friday and then Oregon on a Friday, back-to-back -back weeks, and then they close the year 
um, at Arizona State and then home against USC. So that, that, you know, they've got Colorado, Arizona just because they're in the South. But boy, boy, that's going to be a tough schedule to generate a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of momentum with. But I think Washington State, again, um, that if, if you're going through the North, that's probably the team you pick. I mean, I, I know Oregon State is maybe the easy pick, but they've got a coach back and, and they seem to understand kind of what they're doing and, and put some put some games together last year. And so if they're going to take that next step, Washington State, just the unknown of a new coach and clearly you know nobody is Mike Leach so you're so you're not running that exact same offense and and so being able to uh if you're Washington State come in and put that together and let's not forget you look at Washington State schedule that USC game that that comes after Oregon Stanford Washington back to back to back and and then uh traveling to USC so that that's not going to be kind of an easy run for Washington State so that I think that's the game you pick, and and that's probably you know may, maybe the week that you put it um, there towards the end, right before, right before UCLA. Well, I tell you one thing about Washington State, and I'm not going to give them any uh, any leeway here. Uh, at least uh, you know they'll have a number of games under their belt in a first sure. year system, so it's coming near the end of the end of the season. But the season really isn't a ten game season like you you alluded to. So it's not like you're playing them in the eighth or ninth game. Uh, you know, really, you're playing them in what normally would have been basically near the middle of the, the season in a normal, in a normal setting. Mm-hmm. Do you see any uh, – I mean, we've kind of hit every game, but do you see any games that stand out as kind of trap games or tricky games? I mean, the Arizona State game clearly at, at the front, but that was something where, like we mentioned with Alabama there, this team – this team was geared up to play Alabama. They, they, they knew in their minds prepping for the season, we have got to start the season in a big way. So, so I think in a way having Arizona state there kind of helps keep that mindset that they have and, and not really change it too much because I don't know, based on kind of the coaches going back and forth and some of the recruiting stuff going on and the fact that these guys all, you know, the, so many Arizona state guys are from Southern California and there's a big point of pride there. You know, Arizona state came to, to USC a couple years ago and, and won. that that's not a game that the USC players are going to have a hard time getting up for. But when you look, do you see a game that, that maybe on that schedule is that that becomes the, the trap game? I know, I know that's something that you like to look for when schedules get announced. Well, you know, you always look at, uh, sometimes away games. I think the trap game for me uh, would be Utah because uh, Utah has got so many uh, to replace on offense. Uh, and there's that sense that Utah won't be as good as they've been in the past. Cause you know, their their two year standout quarterback is gone. The running back is gone. Uh, but you know what? I think what people have to take into account is that Kyle Whittingham runs a program. They seem to reload with people that, that nobody has heard of. Uh, I think they're getting more players that you have heard of because they've been success, recently been successful in, uh, in assimilating into the Pac-12. But I would say Utah, uh, only because people will say, well, they're going to, you know, they got to replace their backfield, yada, yada, yada. But I think because he runs the program and they're so physical, they're not going to change not being physical because they lose the skill players. They're still going to be physical. They've got guys at redshirt. They know how to run a program. That's what Whittingham preaches. And um, you know what? He's a defensive coach. And I expect that, uh, you know, if SC goes in there and is, is not ready to go and sister says, oh, look, the must isn't here to root against us. Uh, you know what? Uh, Utah is going to come to play. Uh, you know, when you look at their schedule, SC's first two out of three games are away games. Arizona, eh, okay, uh, they're they're in disarray, uh, but Utah won't be. Their program is 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 a program, uh, and then you look at the the back four teams: Colorado, you know, uh, uh, Washington State, or back three games, I should say: uh, Colorado, Washington State, UCLA. Um, I don't see any of those considered a trap game. I mean, UCLA is a rivalry game, but I wouldn't call it a trap game. Sure. 
Yeah, Arizona was the one that, to me, that stood out as the one that I wanted to make it, right? Because so there's going to be so much buildup for that Arizona State game. And then you hit the road and you go to Arizona and the letdown. I just – I that that program, like you mentioned, seems to be in such disarray. And they're going to be coming off a road trip to Utah. Arizona starts at Utah, and then they've got to host USC. So it becomes uh, that Utah game that you mentioned. I mean, Utah starts – with Arizona and then they get UCLA on a Friday before they host USC uh, the next Saturday. So they're going to have what should be, again, it's, you know, you're, you're judging stuff off paper and we've seen with especially some of these big 12 games, boy, how do you know what to expect with what these teams have been through in the off season and just kind of players you know are, are they on the roster are they not on the roster are they working out on campus are they not what were they able to do who's you know locked in mentally just it, it it's been kind of such a crapshoot all over the place so far but again on paper you look at Utah a couple tune-up games with Arizona and, and UCLA and then they've got USC so the, there's a couple things maybe you know working there where is Utah prepared you know USC is going to have that game against Arizona State already under their belts uh, is Utah going to be actually ready for USC and is USC going to be able to hopefully with two wins already kind of keep that momentum uh, in a road game with, with what will be back-to-back -back road games and like you mentioned so many names gone that Utah the defensive backfield and the offensive backfield I mean just replacing names all over the place uh, in there, a couple defensive linemen they, they've got to replace, but there are guys, you know, there are always guys in that Utah program that can fill in and, and kind of be, you know, the next name guy at, at Utah. So that's not going to be, I think, a gimme um, going in there. And again, you, you see it week three and your immediate reaction is, oh, the weather's not going to be bad because you're assuming, you know, that's mid-September. Uh, not, not the case. That, that's late November now, uh, the trip to Utah. So I think that kind of becomes, um, like, like you mentioned, just, just the game that kind of pops off the screen as, as the one that could be that, uh, that trap game, that, that tricky game. Um, and I think, um, I think you make a good point. Um, you know, the rosters on these teams, and I, I don't know how many of uh, our listeners pay attention to the rest of the Pac-12, but you look at Oregon, they've lost a lot of players and they just lost their, their big time safety to the NFL. Well, it's four and, and defensive backs. Yes. Yeah, four defensive yes. backs that they were going to count on a lot this year. And, you, you know, if you want to just, uh, you know, fantasize and, you know, foreshadow, look, if, if SC's rolling and let's just say, and which I believe is going to happen, I mean, I'd say there's an 80% chance that Elijah Vera Tucker returns and plays left tackle. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously SD took a hit. I don't think Jay Tafeli is going to come back. And I think he's got family issues and they need the money and that sort of thing. So I don't really expect that he's going to be back at all. Uh, I'd be pleasantly surprised if he did, but I don't expect it. Um, but, you know, a lot of these people, uh, their rosters are, are in flux. Um, you know, that's why it's going to be very interesting uh, this coming uh, Friday when uh, hopefully we'll know before Friday we see the roster to see who's actually on the USC team. Uh, I don't think we're going to lose anybody uh, at this point. Uh, I think uh, Talanoa Hufungo will be back and, uh, you know, so will, uh, Isaiah Palomau. So I think SC's in good shape there. And, and if you want to look down and, like I said, foreshadow, if SC was to play Oregon, well, what better thing could Keaton Slovis have than a new backfield uh, at Oregon? Although it will be the seventh game, and they will have some continuity, I'm sure, in the defense in the secondary. But uh, you know, you'll have veteran wide receivers for SC against inexperienced, uh, quote unquote, for uh, for Oregon. So it that could be interesting. Yeah, that, but, that's certainly the one position group uh, in terms of opposing. Uh, opposing teams, programs, that if you're USC, you're, you're not really all that disappointed to see members of other secondaries kind of taking off and, and heading for the draft. USC is, is not scheduled, at least at this point, to play Stanford, but Paulson Adebo, the, the big-time Stanford quarterback, has said that 
that he'll opt out of this year too. So that's another, another big time guy. And, and I think that goes, the, you know, this moves discussion away from the schedule a little bit, but you know, the, there are players in the SEC. There are players in, in the Big Ten um, and, and some big names in some of those conferences that are opting out of this season and, and preparing um, for the 2021 NFL draft. But, boy, it, it feels like the Pac-12 got hit harder maybe than than any of those other conferences and guys staying out what it it became easy when there wasn't going to be a conference you know when they would announce i'm opting out of the season well what season yeah go you know go get ready get ready for the draft um when there is a season and it's kind of opened up hey you can you can come back in it there has not been a rush to get back and and play and and obviously this is a decision that has a, a lot of different layers that there's um, that there's obviously health and safety with both the shortened season, the, the prep time, uh, you know, COVID-19, all that stuff that everyone's kind of taking into account. Um, the fact that it's, you know, it's starting later. And like you mentioned, may, maybe that weather playing into, into December and the, the PAC 12 championship game being a couple weeks later, uh, there's so many things that have played into it and you hear kind of it's cited all the time, the uncertainty, but the PAC 12 seemed to get hit as hard as or harder than any conference. And when you talk about, you know, do you have a, a team? Are you a conference that can kind of line up at that conference or college football playoff table and say, yeah, of course our team gets there. The PAC 12 needs some name, you know, they, they need some kind of brand recognition this year and based on what King Slovis and that offense did last year, I think that, that those guys at USC uh, are probably the, the front runners to be able to do that. And, and the conference needs USC to be good. And I think that letter from the USC players to governor Gavin Newsom and the fact that the conference and USC athletic director, Mike Bone, they, they really stood behind that and, Mike Bone mentioned a few times how important it was, and it showed that USC football players can kind of take up the mantle and, and can be uh, can be the driving force uh, of the Pac-12. I, I think that that's an important aspect this year because you lost a lot of name recognition. Penny Sewell is going to be a top five NFL pick. He was he he was going to get Heisman votes this year. An offensive lineman, the left tackle for Oregon. He was going to be in that discussion of is he is he actually the best player in college football throughout the year? You've got Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback at Clemson, and Justin Fields, quarterback at Ohio State. Is Sewell the best player? And that was going to be good for the Pac-12 to have those kind of conversations. And and that's not going to happen now. He opted out. We mentioned Paul Sanadivo. We mentioned all the other uh, defensive backs at Oregon and and Jay Tufele at USC, Elijah Vera Tucker at at this point at USC. There are guys kind of all over the conference not playing and so it's going to be big for for who is playing to make a statement and and be seen and be visible well i tell you if sc can win the south can win the pac-12 uh you know what uh that's who cares if it's you know if it what kind of season it was you won period you are the champions period this is what you got this was the parameters the one thing that sc does have going for it when it comes to bowl games is bowl games won't be uh, picked based on, you know, who's going to travel. Now, maybe if the bowl game is played, you know, in the Southeast Conference area, you know, people will be allowed to show up. Uh, you know, if it's out here, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe the Holiday Bowl, you know, is going to be nobody. But if you're not going to have fans, you're going to want the team that brings in the biggest TV ratings. Sure. And so the TV ratings actually, with SC being in Los Angeles, uh, could play a big part on – you know, whether they get to go to a, a, a really, uh, you know, one of the six bowl games, you know, they could play in the Fiesta Bowl, uh, which would be, which would be good uh, and good for the kids, good for the kids, good for the coaching staff, be good for recruiting. Um, so it, I think if they can do it, you know, and they can win, go seven and oh, you know, they'll be rewarded for it. The program will be rewarded for it. Helton will be rewarded for it. And uh, you know, to heck with we only played seven games that's just what that's what we got to deal with so we'll let's yeah. go win seven 
the the last thing I wanted to get in with the schedule was it, that championship game is scheduled for the the 18th, which is a Friday, and then the 19th in the schedule released, it's it's a bunch of TBD versus TBD games where likely going to have a, another crossover game, and it still seems like it's it's to be determined uh, how those will be uh, scheduled, and, and I think you know, maybe the only hesitation would be you you probably don't want to rematch, you know, if, if it just happens to be the number two team in the South already played the, the number two team in the North, maybe you kind of allow yourself to, to shuffle that around and let two play three or, or something like that. But uh, your take on kind of the, the setup for that, and also this is going to be a home hosted championship game. This was supposed to be the first year of the conference championship game played at the Raiders stadium uh, in Las Vegas. And there was a lot of focus on that. And, and that was going to be kind of a, a big thing uh, moving out of Santa Clara and, and over to that stadium there in, in Las Vegas, the, the PAC 12 championship for basketball already being held out there. Um, your, your thoughts on kind of the, the, again, the home hosted model, what they've said is the higher seed uh, will host that conference championship game uh, and, th and then everyone else playing the following day on, on the 19th, getting that seventh game in. Well, first of all, I think it's too bad that the game isn't going to be played at the new Raiders stadium. Uh, from what I see, it's a tremendous facility. The players would have loved it. Obviously, if, uh, you know, if all things were normal, which they're not, there would have been a big SC turnout. Who, who's going to turn down Las Vegas? We saw that when SC was in the Las Vegas bowl, uh, several years ago, the fans showed up and had a great time. I had a great time. My Vegas puts on a great bowl game. Uh, you know, and in the future, we know that SC is going to either play, I think, uh, or the Pac-12 is going to play either a, an ACC team or a SEC team uh, in the future. But I will say this. I, I don't particularly care for the idea that your big game is on Friday night. And it's like, okay, and by the way, we've got four other games, uh, five other games uh, on Saturday. But I know they wanted to get a seventh game in, so that's fine. I do like the idea that it's the second-place team versus the second-place team in the other division. I think it's an easy matchup. The, you know, the question that I have, and oh, let me just hit on this. Uh, you can bet that SC will not be playing Washington State in uh, one of the matchups. That, that I can assure you. Uh, but uh, what I'm unsure about, maybe you have the answer, is for the championship game, what happens if both teams are undefeated? Okay. How are you going to decide who hosts it? Who's the visiting team? You're going to flip well, a coin? Well, what they've said again is, is the higher seeded team. I, I pose a hypothetical back to you. What happens if let's say there's some Cinderella team from the North that runs all the way through uh, undefeated USC has lost a game uh, in, in, you know, during their season, but, uh, you know, is, is impressive enough, I guess, in its wins where you have a six and oh, I don't know, say Oregon state team against a, a five and one USC team, but USC is ranked higher in, in the polls in the, in the college football, uh, playoff polls. Who's is the higher rated seed still USC and do they host or does the undefeated team host there i don't i haven't seen anything from the conference that says anything other than the higher seated team and so yeah that's i think that's very with poll and and that whole thing to to kind of use to decide who that team is well one way they could do it is um they could look at the two second place teams and see how they did against the first place teams okay uh that's one way they could do it they could do it as a simple who has the better record. We don't care who you played. Sure. You know, it's just the luck of the draw. So if, uh, if you had a, uh, uh, you know, five and one, but a higher ranked USC team in the AP, which I think is irrelevant, uh, and you had a six and oh Cal team, uh, and SC didn't play Cal, the game I would think would be at Cal, to be honest with you. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. That would I make think more that, sense if you go undefeated, you you can't travel to a team with with one loss. But that phrase, the higher seeded team, makes certainly makes it seem like they'll look at that final poll and just take the team that that's 
ranked higher in that poll, and that will be the the host. Well, I think that all all the seedings and stuff should be based on head-to-head competition, if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it will make it'll make for good games if you're just strictly as as a purist going. Even the number six team against the number six team should be uh, theoretically evenly matched. Okay, mm-hmm. so the games should be all competitive. I mean, the only people that are going to care about the two fifth and sixth place teams are going to be the people that follow those teams. Uh, I don't think I'll be staying home or staying late or whatever you, to say. Oh, I, I've got to watch uh, Colorado play. Uh, you know, Washington State. That'll be exciting. But you know, I think my my my. My concern is I think uh, they could have come out with the criteria sure. and how teams would be matched up. Um, you know, if they say, well, you know, we haven't got that far yet. You go, wait a minute. You hired a guy named Merton Hanks to be the football czar. You, you mean to tell me that for, for two or three days you couldn't have thought it over and already said what the criteria is? I mean, it's not really important today or tomorrow or next week. But I would hope by the time the season really opens, uh, you know, on November 7th, that, you know, we all have an idea of how it's going to how it's going to play out as far as, you know, the seedings and the matchups and that sort of thing. In reality, it's it you just have to remember, there's no fans in the stands. Right. So it's just they're just travel games. You know, I mean, you'll get you know, it'll be like watching a, a soccer match a collegiate soccer match. And, uh, you know, one of the things I did, I have learned, I don't know about you and watching these games. I know that there's some conferences, there's people in the stands, but there's not so many that you sit there and you go, wow, that's really making a difference. Right. Once, once you're watching it on TV, you really don't see the stands all that much. You're focused in on the playing field and the competition. And as far as watching it on TV, it, it's, I don't think it's going to make any difference whether there was, there's 80,000 there or there's nobody there. Uh, you're just going to watch a game on TV because these games now are made for TV. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a good thing. So, you know, no fans means a lot in terms of having to worry about who plays where. Yeah, and I, I think it's a, a concern that you sort of lose as soon as that first ball is kicked and, and you're watching the game and that's it. You're you're just kind of, at this point, just thankful to uh, to be at this stage, I guess, in this direction where, where there is going to be USC football and you kind of deal with, with the rest of it as it comes. Um, but that, so, so that's our look kind of at, at that schedule again, just sort of recapping it here. USC opens the season. The only one we know kind of for sure uh, the time with is that season opener where they host Arizona state 9 a.m. on November 7th. That'll be kind of the kickoff to the PAC 12 season uh, and then it's it's five games after that, five games in a row, uh, no buys for, for anybody um, this season. So it's travel to Arizona uh, the, the week of November 14th. Uh, then it's a, a game at Utah, November 21st. Then they host Colorado, then host Washington State on a Friday, December 4th. And then it's that crosstown rivalry game at the Rose Bowl against UCLA on December 12th. And then hopefully that Pac-12 championship game uh, the following Friday on December 18th. And so that's what USC has in store for itself in terms of a 2020 season. And as far as practices getting started, uh, Clay Helton has said October 9th here coming up, that will be the kick to USC's kind of fall camp with that four-week fall camp building up to that season. And it's been – Kind of a long, it will be, I guess, by Friday, kind of a long, you know, two week, that ramp up period, getting ready there. Greg alluded to, you know, getting that that final roster and Clay Helton certainly alluded to the idea that we would know for sure decisions on J2 Fele, on Elijah Vera Tucker, the two USC players who made those decisions to opt out of the season back when there was no season to opt out of. Uh, Clay Elton said conversations kind of ongoing with both of those guys and ultimately probably with the ability to return if they need to. J2 Fele has signed uh, with an agent, Elijah Vera Tucker, re- reportedly certainly at, at this point, not publicly, uh, has has not signed. So his path back would theoretically be easier than 
for someone who has signed already. So uh, uh, again, a lot of news kind of still to come out later this week uh, in terms of getting practices started again, and then it'll be that, that build up to the season. So I know Greg looking forward to it. I, I'm certainly looking forward to it. And uh, I, I guess can, we'll see what this season, what this season brings. I, I don't think anybody has any kind of concrete thoughts about, you know, it's going to play out exactly this way because I know that you've watched a lot of games, Greg, so far, and it has been sort of up in the air on, on what to expect so far. And so the hope right now is USC can kind of roll with some of those uncertainties, I guess. Well, I'd say this, expect the unexpected, <laughs> good and bad. And we don't know what that is yet. I'm sure our, our friend uh, uh, COVID-19 will, uh, will have something to say about it at some point. Uh, so it's not going to be a dull moment, I can tell you that. And that's the hope, is that the Pac-12 is going to be the last, the last conference that gets started. The hope certainly is, is uh, eyes dotted, T's crossed, ducks in a row, anything you want to say about kind of being prepared in order to be able to play this season all the way through. Because right now, like when you look at the schedule, no buys built in, and initially that 10-game schedule had a couple – uh, different sort of contingency plans where you could push games back and move games around. This is going to need to be buttoned up and, and uh, be able to run through without any of those delays. And the hope is with, with testing and with protocols and, and with everybody sort of on the same page that you don't get those stops and starts like we've seen tons of postponements uh, in other conferences. So the Big Ten, the Pac-12 certainly banking on that added prep time playing out in a way where they can just run through their seasons kind of flawlessly and, and without pause. And, and that's the fingers crossed hope certainly to be able to get uh, all seven USC games in this fall. So for, uh, for Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. That, that's our look at USC's 2020 fall football schedule that was finalized uh, this past weekend. So thank you for listening the We Are SC podcast.